recording this right now in mid-August. Parts of the country, like in the South, are harvesting. Other parts of the country are gearing up for harvest. And here you sit saying, oh my gosh, the August 12th report came out, uh, World Agricultural Supply and Demand and Exports Information and Estimates. Um, what the heck should I do? Well, we're going to answer just that. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast where you'll learn from the experiences of America's most innovative and successful farmers as they shorten your learning curve, increase your yield, ROI, and profit. This episode of Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Sylvius Financial, the company that offers customized risk management solutions for your farming operation. Sylvius Financial integrates crop insurance with government programs and grain and cattle marketing to achieve profitability for your farm. And now, here is your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve with our good friends from Sylvius Financial. Sylvius Financial is the company that integrates, as you know, crop insurance, marketing strategy, and government programs to help your farm be profitable. Well, we're talking today about, is it too early to have a harvest strategy for marketing your commodity. The reality is, no, it is not. It is never too early to have a strategy to keep yourself financially solvent and selling your product helps you do that. With me are Bryce Goose and Sean Finley. They are risk advisors for Sylvia's Financial, and they're going to help guide you down this path. Sean and Bryce, thanks for being here. Thanks for having thanks for us. Business. All right. So the question is, um, we talk a lot about this. This is your world, not mine. You're the experts. If I was a farmer, I would turn to you guys and say, what should I do? Because I don't really want to sit and stare at a screen all day over two cent moves or worry that all of a sudden a shipment didn't get out of Ukraine. There's a lot going on. And here we are, we're looking at harvest. We're a month away from here in the Midwest where you and I live, Bryce, actually so do you, Sean, in Nebraska, where we're going to see combines rolling on uh, on beans here within about five weeks. Um, what should I do? What should my strategy be? Should I just hang out now and wait? Say I've already made my decision. Should I sell everything that's old crop? Should I make sure that I have everything gone? What should I be doing? You know, I feel like we've kind of hit on this several times and, you know, you almost sound like a dead horse, you know, you're just kind of beating a dead horse, but, you know, one truly understanding where you lie with your insurance protection, you know, that's a lot of the reason how, or a lot of the way those are designed is to get you through harvest. Um, you know, for guys that are under marketed, you know, and I would kind of classify that as under 50%, you know, we are still looking at several dollars up above the normal ranges that we've seen the last few years. And for guys, like I said, that are extremely under marketed, this would, is still not a bad opportunity to lock in a significant profit for Bryce, isn't there, some, this year. isn't there some strategy, Bryce, that's like 30%. You told me that I was supposed to be 30% sold by a certain point. Was that point in June? I think that, yeah, we were more towards the 50% back in June still, but okay. yeah, we were, we were wanting to be at least 50% sold back then. I mean, when we were above or at that $7 mark. But. Okay. So to the person right now, the operator, uh, he or she are sitting there and they're saying, all right, I'm got, I've got, i got 50% sold, just like you told me to. I sold, I, I felt like it was good. I was in that, what, $14 soybean range. 
maybe even 15, um, $7 corn or thereabouts. I'm feeling really good about this. I'm 50% sold. Now, what do I do with my next 50%? We've come down. Uh, I think I saw uh, old crop corn. Uh, you know, I can still go and get it sold between now and Labor Day and get like a 40 cent positive basis. But once we start talking about coming out of the field, aren't we losing like negative 45 basis. So what am I supposed to do with my new crop that I'm expecting to harvest? It looks like we're going to have a yield. I'm not scared anymore. Uh, the rains are going to be sufficient. What should I do? And that really kind of boils down to whether you have storage or not, whether you have to get rid of this stuff between now and say November when you're harvesting, or if you have the capacity to store every bushel that you produce. I mean, that's kind of all depends on what you have on your farm. Yeah. And if I've got to pay seven, how much am I paying if I don't have storage, but I'm just going to take it. I'm going to let it be stored and, and hang there like five cents a month or something. What am I paying? Yeah. I think it depends on the elevator, but yeah, that or upwards of. Okay. So we call it seven cents is seven cents a good number. So the point is, isn't there always the calculation to make, is it better off to store at seven cents a bushel? And then even if you have your own storage, it still costs you something, right? Correct. What's the number you tell people to count for their on-farm storage per month? I always tell guys to figure at least a couple cents a month. You know, a lot of guys will make the argument, oh, well, it's paid for, you know, but there's also quality risk, um, you know, that you still own that product. It's yours to, you know, keep quality up. So there is risk associated with that. I'd, I'd like to point out, Sean, that um, I well, just because it's paid for doesn't mean that it still doesn't have a cost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I once had somebody tell me when, when, uh, when things were really good back in 2011 and I said, I don't know if you can justify feeding $6 and 70 cent corn to those steers, no more than beef is selling for. They said, I'm not feeding $6 and 70 cent corn. I raised it myself. I said, um, well, if you could go and sell it for $6 and 70 cents, you're feeding $6.70 corn. So anyway, we know that. So anyway, let's talk about the, the underhedged because I think that that's really what we need to help out here. Um, the underhedged, the undermarketed, the undersold person, they're sitting there saying, crap, I, uh, I, I didn't want to pull the trigger and now here I am and I'm a couple months away from my combine running. What's your recommendation? I know it's going to depend on a few things. One you just mentioned was storage. What else does it depend on? Risk tolerance, I know you're going to tell me that. What else does it depend on? I would just say, I mean, we're at a, a seasonal point in time where it we typically don't rally in the harvest, but it's where guys can't really afford that drop. I mean, we're still above $6 corn. Just guys can't really afford that drop down to say $5.50 or $5 corn. I'd say right now we at least have risk down to $5.50 corn. Like that's very possible. I mean, so maybe look at a put spread or something that gets you a floor here at 6 down to $5.50. I mean, just something basic like that, or if you're okay with margin risk, then maybe you can do that put spread and sell a call above you to help pay for that. But then, then again, with the yield that we just saw the USDA put out, like that 175.4, yep. there is upside potential, but seasonally, do we see that? Or when does that yield number kind of, I know there's a lot of estimates down at that 170 level. Where, where, where do we start to see that yield is that after the first of the year? So there's a lot of question marks on 
where you want your upside and how much you're willing to give. Yeah. So a person listening to this maybe didn't just listen to the report the way we did. So we went from 177, 178 bushel estimate on corn. We went down to 175 on an estimate. If it continues to trend lower and gets down and people would be like, that doesn't seem like that much. Why would it move numbers? Because all of the movement on price happens on very little of the bushels. Right. And so that's kind of what you're talking about. So if I'm undersold, for the current year, meaning the 22 crop. And maybe I uh, I got, I felt pretty smart because I had stuff in my bins that was unmarketed and I pulled it out like maybe, I don't know, May, June, when I was still grabbing seven bucks on that. And I'm like, hey, I think I'm just gonna hang around and be undersold. I, uh, I, I did what you told me to, I sold half my stuff. I'm gonna sit on the rest of it, even at seven cents a bushel, if I have to take it to town and let them hold it for me. If I let it go for six months, that's 42 cents. You have a hard time saying no, um, that's a bad idea, because there is, with a reduced yield outlook, a chance that that 42 cents is completely there. But it is still 42 cents, and if I can sell, what you just tell me I can sell the new stuff for? What's the number? 610 is what we finished that on December. Yeah, so I could sell a 610 new crop stuff. I don't have to worry about storage. It's there. And so I'd have to get the 652 by June to for it to make sense other ways, right? Yeah, or what me and Sean would argue with too is if you're going to spend the 40 cents doing that, you're better off selling the cash and spending 40 cents on some call options or something like that to gain your upside so you don't have as much risk. Yeah, and... So, so go ahead, Sean. I take the oh. six. So I take the six ten, and then tell me what I do. Yeah. So I mean, like a strategy that me and Bryce were looking at earlier was, um, you know, buying a six fifty call that gets you through the end of April. So be a May call, buying a six fifty and selling a seven fifty for maybe twenty cents a bushel. So rather than spending, you know, upwards of forty to fifty cents, you're spending twenty. And you also have a inherent floor because you're selling your cash where that's the kind of the detail with the, if you're just paying 42 cents a bushel for storage, you have no floor. So if it goes so down sold, a dollar. So I just, are you telling me that I just sold 610, but then I spent 20 cents. So it's really net 590, but I gave myself the upward potential of what? A dollar. Hmm. So tack on the 610 plus a dollar. If we happen to rally that high, you're looking at 710 corn. Yeah. And so uh, the person that says, you know what, I maybe would just take the 610 and not even do the 20 cents. And that doesn't help you as much because you don't get to sell all the puts and the calls and all these kinds of things. But do you argue with that? Does that still make sense? You, you think no, because what the heck, there's upside. I wouldn't talk a producer out of that. You know, I think that it just showing them you know, kind of where the market is set up and making sure they are okay with either outcome. Um, you know, cause some of the, me and Bryce were talking about kind of preparing for this was 2020, mm -hmm. you know, there was a lot of us that sold corn between $4 and four fifty that we were really happy about. And then it went to seven. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that makes you feel dumb, but you got your four forty. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we're sitting here, we're saying, well, we don't want to be the guy to not bring that up and have to relive that moment in time that where we had to two years ago. I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. So um, the person that's under hedged now, 
I, I think, you know, I've got, I've got more years, but I don't have as much uh, experience as you guys do. So you're the experts. How many times have we seen a rally in price going through harvest? I, I remember them and I know that they're unusual. History would tell us, don't we usually kind of hang around between now and unless there's some big weather event or news event, we kind of hang around between now and about November, don't we? Yeah, history would suggest we're, we've probably seen a lot of the big moves, but I mean, the last two years, we've kind of slowly trudged higher during harvest and in the yeah. winter, which is a little counter-seasonal. Yeah. So uh, that being said, the the person that says, all right, um, I do have the bush, and let's say they don't even hear you when, when you say, all right, you're 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 paying two cents. Now I'm paying two cents because I do do it at home. I've got, you know, all these bushels of storage at two cents. And the chance that we have negative news, we end up at 170 bushel recommendation. We're just talking about corn right now, but generally it's all going to fall in line with that. Then all of a sudden that, that number we talked about, we could see a buck on this. The person that says, I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit on it and I'm not even going to pay seven cents. I'm going to be, I got at home on farm storage. Are they doing a little different thing than the, than the operator that had to pay seven cents a month per bushel? I mean, yes and no. And just because you're storing that and holding it through harvest and into the first of the next year, it doesn't mean that you can't price some of those bushels off the March board. I think March is like seven cents higher than than to, than to beast corn. Plus you're probably getting a little bit better basis. So just because you're storing, it doesn't mean you don't, that you have to leave it on price. You can take advantage of that carry along with a probably better basis as well. Yeah. So then I sell at six seventeen, uh, yeah. and there's no, mar there's no very little basis on it by March because we burned through most of the supply. Am I right? Yep. Yeah. So you'd recommend doing that. Okay. Um, for a person who is, uh, well hedged and protected, they're saying, you know what, I might have screwed up, but I was more than 50% in June. And then I saw that we were starting to have some bad news out there. I'm 80% sold. Um, and I'm, I think the rest of it, I am going to sit around on and just see what happens because I'm so well sold. What's that person need to know right now? Just where we're at in these corn markets and what is your downside risk and upside? I mean, with you being 80% sold, you don't have as much downside, but maybe if we do track lower down to that 550, where is the time for me to maybe get in and do a cheap call spread to reown some of those bushels where if we do see a rally, I can capture some more of that potential. <clears throat> How much am I spending to do that? Roughly depends. It's like the call spread that Sean was talking about. I mean, you can get a dollar call spread out there. I mean, out of the money a little bit for probably 20 cents. I mean, okay. 20 cents a contract. Okay. So uh, you're recommending that. Are you recommending that for everybody? I know that you're going to say risk and all those kinds of things. Who's the person that shouldn't do what you just recommended? Who shouldn't, who shouldn't reprice stuff that they've already sold? Probably guys that are under 70% sold. Mm -hmm. What about price point? What if, what if they're, what if they tell you, I don't know that I can do much better. Uh, we, 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 we just luckily caught the high. All of our stuff is sold for what would be a good number, 710, 720, something like that. And then you say, Hey, you know what? You don't need any of my services right now. Is that what you tell them? Or do you say, no, we should still look at this. 
you know, I think uh, one just kind of like what Bryce said, showing potential re-ownership strategies, you know, but, you know, another thing that's going to be coming right around the corner here is for 2023 corn, you know, that's kind of been bouncing back and forth on either side of $6. Um, and, you know, just with as high as inputs are getting these last two years, $6 corn might be a good sale, might be a very good sale. For, for 14 months from now. Correct. Yeah. Selling 2023. Um we always talk about when we have this much variability. Now, things look really good around here. And I think over by Bryce, they look pretty darn good, too, is what I'm hearing. Uh, but we heard that there's parts of the Corn Belt that did not uh, quite perform as well. We know there's some really dry conditions in uh, the Western Plains. They might be in an insurance situation. What's their marketing strategy look like going into fall when it couples with insurance and that's your sweet spot you know is this a situation where they should do nothing on marketing and just see how things shake out and then their insurance is going to make them profit what's going to happen to some of those folks i would say a lot of those folks kind of shy away from committing bushels to the elevator and they kind of turn more to us as far as protecting bushels on paper just in case we do see a sell-off i mean but like what we talked on the last podcast, really about 550 is where the insurance starts to kick in. So you, we still have risk down to there. I mean, and then maybe if we do get down there, then that's where we do the opposite where, oh crap, if we do rally, I lose money because I'm in the insurance premium right now. So it's kind of just showing people where you have risk and then where at what point do I have risk where if we go up, I lose money. It's just kind of knowing where we're at. To the person that wasn't listening to the last time we talked about that, that unique scenario where I'd, I'd rather be a complete loss or a complete bumper. There's that middle, that middle mania. That's not really good where you don't get your crop insurance and you don't really get your crop money either. So kind of explain that one of you or both of you, please. So we had this, we've had this discussion, but I think that if someone didn't listen to it, because it's it's going to happen, it's going to happen yeah. this year, right? It's going to happen this year to some of those folks that those farmers that are out there, they, they didn't ring the bell, but they also didn't get a complete wash. And now they're saying, crap, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in this middle strata now where all I get is a little bit of money, but not enough to really make me whole. And I'm not have much, I don't really have a crop to sell. What are the, what's the deal there? Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of use an example of a guy that we work with in the panhandle of Texas. You know, that's kind of one of the driest areas that we've seen. But, you know, between $6 and five fifty, that's where his insurance isn't really helping him. Just kind of Bryce said, that's five fifty is where that starts stepping in. Mm-hmm. Under five fifty, he actually starts making more money mm-hmm. because his insurance payments start coming through. Mm-hmm. But from five fifty to $6, his whole on-farm income actually goes down because mm-hmm. any bushels that he grow, he's kicking himself out of insurance payments. Mm-hmm. So but, we, but what about if his, if he's only going to get 40 bushels instead of 120, which I don't know what you get in the panhandle of Texas or something like that. Is it against all those bushels or how does that work? Say that again. He's got, is it, is it still though? His yield is going to be off. So you're talking about price, but his yield is going to be off. Isn't he still made whole by the fact that he doesn't have the amount of yield? He is made whole, but if he has any cash bushels that he has sold, you know, he gets that money regardless. Okay. So, you know, that, you know, the insurance is going to make him whole, but he's also going to be, you know, losing his mark to market 
cash bushels. Um, Bryce, the insurance thing in where we live, it doesn't look like there's insurance even matters in areas that have had really good weather and have really good factors. So what's the, what's the thought on a year like this for those producers? Yeah. I mean, the yield doesn't, might not be an insurance issue, but the price could be, I mean, the spring price, I mean, is at 590. So, I mean, still, if we slip down to that 540 range, 550, I mean, you still could trigger a payment potentially if we're at like an average yield and price kind of falls. So, I mean, just because yield isn't looking terrible, if yield is average and price falls, there's still a chance for a payment. I mean, it's not, not likely, but it's still possible. You've used the number $5.50 multiple times. Is that because that's the, where everything starts to fall apart in terms of where programs uh, kick in or don't kick in? Or is it because you think that that's where the fundamentals put this price one to two months from now? Both. <laughs> I mean, that's where the ECO and SCO, I know you love acronyms, but that, that that's where those insurance kind of programs start to kick in for one, but also... I think that's where our downside risk is down to at this point in time. You always sound like a government agency when you use these terms like SCO and ECO and all that stuff. Okay. So uh, let's talk about the other commodities, soybeans. Um, I just looked um, when I was preparing for this, I just went to an elevator uh, that's got seven different facilities here in Indiana. I was looking at their, their numbers and um, everything, you know, obviously has a higher basis once you start getting the new crop stuff in another couple of months. Uh, and it was pretty much across the board. It, it was about the same percentage, if you will. Um, we were at 2.33, meaning corn prices were 2.33. Um, uh, I'm sorry, it was a multiple. Soybeans were 2.33 times more than uh, corn price. That seems pretty normal to me, but that means it wasn't normal a couple of months ago. Am I right? Was corn overpriced in its relationship to the soybeans a couple of months ago? And if so, am I stupid to have ever sat around thinking that corn was going to go higher than 725? You are right that that's a normal range. And it's Wait, basically. You can also say I'm right that I'm stupid. It's okay. I don't <laughs> mind if you say that, John. No, no, it's, you know, that is the normal range. I'm kind of smack dab in the normal range. We've seen both sides the last two years of soybeans being very expensive relative to corn and very cheap relative to corn. Yeah. Um, it, that spread will go out of whack every once in a while. So, no, you would not be dumb to say that, you know, they could come even closer together than that. Um, there is some history that would suggest that can happen. Well, 2.2 to 2.3 seemed normal to me historically. And then when I'm thinking, wait a minute, when a couple of months ago, if it was $16 beans, not even 15 maybe, and I could get half of that on corn, I think that maybe corn was showing that it was really high priced compared to soybeans. I should have sold more than 50%. So that's why I was wondering, did I miss, did I miss the boat? Yeah, but also you were kind of, Yes, corn was that high, but also all the Ukraine stuff going on. There's a there was a lot of other question marks regarding corn and wheat versus soybeans. I mean, because the Ukraine situation didn't impact beans as much as the other two crops. So that's kind of the outlying factor that kind of spooked some people. Got it. All right. Um, we talked about unsold bushels and have storage and unsold bushels and have no storage. Did we cover that? Because that was one of the points you wanted to make sure you covered. And that's because right now is when you're saying, gosh, 
we were cleaning out the, you know, now's the time to get rid of your old stuff. Should we start by saying that is now the time to get rid of your old stuff. There's no reason to carry stuff. There's no reason to carry old crop any further. Is there? I would argue no, just with quality risk alone. I mean, if a guy wants to hold upside, you can basically buy futures and have the exact same position as it is in your bin. Um, carrying crops for more than a year generally leads to more problems than you bargained for. And, and that's because of storage issues, storage quality issues, not because you don't have the capacity, you don't have the all that. It's just because of quality issues. It, Correct. And by and being long futures in a brokerage account achieves the exact same thing. Got it. Um, so, so you're, you're both on board that if you have anything that's unsold, that's old crop right now, move it. Yeah. yeah and just like what you said with, with the basis too, I mean, you're probably looking at a positive basis now versus a much bigger negative basis here in a couple months where it just doesn't make too much sense. Okay. Uh, unsold bushels, new core, new crop anything wheat corn soy doesn't matter unsold bushels and i don't have any storage your recommendation then from marketing strategy is i don't have any storage i don't want to have grain bins i don't want to climb grain bins i can't afford grain bins whatever that reason is i'm maxed out on my bins i've got unsold bushels and i have no storage or i do have storage so Take me through whichever scenario you want to lead off with first. Maybe one of you should do the uh, you have stores. One of you should do the you don't have. Yeah, I guess I, I'll lead off with you have to sell these bushels and you have no storage going into harvest. I mean, it's just, okay, if you're going into it knowing that you have to sell and seasonally we're going to keep tracking lower, I mean, just know you actually going to have to sell these bushels, but maybe have in the back of your mind some re-ownership strategies that you want to keep an eye out for where if we, if you do sell cash and we go down to that 550, 570 area, Hey, I don't mind buying a few call spreads down there to re-own some of these sales because I don't have a choice and I have to sell. I mean, I think that's just kind of be prepared for that, that you're going to have to sell. And if you want upside, you're going to have to do some kind of re-ownership strategy on paper. But let's go back to that thing again. You know, back historically, when you're selling stuff immediately off the combine, you're taking a pretty big uh, burn because it's the the market's glutted. It's it's it needs dried. Uh, everybody or sister has bushels to sell. Whatever. You don't think you still pay for storage for a short term until you can let the market sort of uh, get a little bit of adjustment. Maybe on a year like this, when we're seeing what looks like we're going to have downgrades in the yield estimates is there not a reason to be is there not a case to be made for just going ahead and holding it for a while and paying for storage no it also depends on your area too on how much you're being charged for i guess i'll start start with that i mean if you're being charged like what you said to hold it for even three months say say 30 cents it's not really worth because now you you not alone have the risk that you just paid 30 cents to store it but you have the downside risk where if you would have just sold it and re-owned it with options, you're kind of at the same boat, but you don't have downside risk. Mm -hmm. So it's, it really depends on how much you're being charged for storage, I guess. And we just talked about re-owning it with options through something like Sylvia's Financial. I ended up at max, I'm paying 20 cents maybe for something like that. Depends on how close do you want to be to, to the market. I mean, out of the money calls or in the money calls. I mean, it just, it kind of depends on your pocketbook and how much upside that you really want. 
All right. It's a person like me that doesn't know what that means. Out of the money calls and in the money calls. Sean, help me interpret the kid. You know what he always does? It started back when we first met on a Zoom call. I commented that he looked kind of young. And so now what he does, because he's a young guy, he, he, he wants to make sure that he always makes me look dumb. Like I'm younger than you, but I know words that you don't know and what they mean. Out of the money calls, in the money calls. I'm not a grain trader. What's that mean? So out of money call basically means that the call is the same price that the market's trading at. So if December corn is at 610 and at the money call would be 610. Okay. And out of the money call would just be a call that is above the market. So instead of a 610 call, it's maybe a $7 call. And the farther a call gets away from the money, it gets cheaper, which ah, makes sense. Buying it at a discount. Yes, correct. I, I'm just going to sit here and let that reflect from it. Remember, I'm kind of slow. I got to make sure I learn all this. All right. So, um, yeah, what you just said there is, because uh, I, I know that, that there's the side of you that says, well, I'd rather just uh, I'd rather just eat some storage because I think things are kind of volatile. And you just continue to make the point that at some point, paying for storage for stuff that's not sold, unless your storage is exceedingly cheap, it's not really the smart move most of the time. Remember what I'm hearing, Bryce? Well, and at some point too, I mean, you have to realize that we're not just because we're have these yield talks that yield might come down. I mean, no one knows where yield is going and what that final yield is going to look like. I mean, we very well have risk sub 550 to $5 corn, but we also have upside to seven. So it is kind of where it's like, okay, if I sell some corn now and we go to seven, we can stomach that because we, we probably have more bushels to sell at that price. But if we sit here and do nothing, and go to five, say five thirty corn. We can't stomach that. I yeah, mean, right. Um, <clears throat> all right. The other angle then, uh, unsold bushels, and you have storage. Um, either it's cheap for me to do it. I don't know. The guy that has the elevator only charged me a penny and a half, or I've got stuff that's been out here for ten years and it's uh, fully uh, amortized. Whatever the deal is, I've got storage and I'm not worried about it. What are you going to tell me to do? I've got unsold bushels. Now make the case that I shouldn't just sit on it because I still think I should. Um, you know, for a guy that does have storage, I think the main thing to monitor is spreads right now from this, like kind of how we talked earlier, December to March, you can get eight cents. The market is offering to pay you eight cents on the futures to carry it from December to March from March to May. It only is three cents. And from May to July, they actually take a cent away. So you're saying what kind of a dum-dum would hang around on unsold bushels, even if you had grandpa's grain bins for eight cents, time value of money alone, it's smarter to get it out and have my money then. Is that what I'm hearing? That or just make sure that you're aware of the opportunity that you can lock that eight cents in now and not, you know, two weeks down the road if 50 cents gets peeled off this market. Do you think, because I like that we, the way you explain stuff to me is always a kinder uh, manner than when Bryce does it. You don't blatantly tell me that I'm stupid. You let me sort of see it for myself that I'm stupid. Bryce more like wants to sort of rub my face in it a little bit. I think it goes back to he's from Northwest Indiana. I'm from Northeast Indiana. Way back when we had one area code, 219. 
those bastards from Northwest Indiana hijacked the area code out of spite, and they made us change our business cards, change our phone books over here to 260. I think there's still a, some, some degree of hostility from Northwest Indiana to Northeast Indiana, and that's what this stems from. Ron, what do you think? Uh, I just think I'm nicer because if we get to talking about football, I just kind of have to log off the meeting because the Huskers are so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess the illustration that you're talking about right there. All right. Even if I have a whole bunch of storage, you didn't make a, you did not make a price presentation that could ever justify that other than just that I needed somewhere to dump it. I mean, other than that, like we're, we're getting our harvest done so quickly. We can't have our hired truck drivers sitting at the grain terminal. We just, for a matter of expediency need our yeah. storage, but from a price perspective, there's nothing you said that justified me holding on to my own stuff. Am I right about that, Bryce? I mean, it justifies you holding it to March, but not much past that is what Sean's, I think, trying to say is, yes, we're getting an eight-cent carry, so we're getting eight more cents just to hold it until, say, January, because that's based off the January, February, March yeah. board. We're gaining eight cents, plus we're gaining on the basis as well because basis right. should improve after harvest. So, yes, we're picking up eight cents on futures, but we're also picking up some cents on basis improvement as well. Yeah, okay. you might get 10 to 20 cents on basis. So instead of eight, you're looking at closer to 30. Yeah, now that for sure, you can you can hold on to stuff for 30 cents over four months time and make that make sense, correct? Yep. Yes, but unless they're bidding more on basis for you know May and July delivery, you would not want to hold grain past that yeah so the person that then says what should i do about all these scenarios you've talked a lot about marketing strategies we just talked about those are things that, you know, that i did not need a sylvia's product for what we just explained where i just agree to sell march crop uh i'm sorry new crop in march and i hold it myself i did not need to buy anything from sylvia's financial why not because you're just selling your bushels and you're taking your your risk that you have on those bushels off the table. So there's no need to protect those bushels unless the only way that you would want us is if you wanted some upside on those bushels that you were committing. That's the only reason why. The idea that I think I sold them, I'm happy with that, but it also looks a little cheap. I'd rather give you a little money and then give me a opportunity to uh, get more for them should the market move between now and March. Yep, exactly. So that's, that's where I can make out. So that's the best. That seems like of all the scenarios we've laid out, that's the best one. That one where we talked about the insurance uh, isn't going to be met and uh, the price point is going to be bad and my crops going to be bad. I didn't like that scenario at all. The scenario I like best is I've got bushels um, and you give me an option where I can sell them for good money right now for a few months from now. And also you protect me for a possible buck upside. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's probably best case. Or even if, say, I know we were down decent today, but say if we get back up, I think on Friday we hit like 648 March future. So if you get something like that, plus an improved basis where you can lock in almost 650 futures on March and then possibly buy an upside strategy from there, I mean, that's what's ideal. I mean, hopefully we get to see that again, but we just saw it last week. I like the one that you just gave me. That was a really good uh, uh, scenario. Now I want to throw you this one. I have no bushels. I have no storage. Um, and I am not even going to produce any bushels because I case rent my farm ground out. But I still want to make money. 
can you guys help me do that? Can you help me make money where you just make this all work for me? And I just give you, I just give you some seed, maybe like five or ten dollars, and you turn it into fifty thousand. Can you do that? Now uh, we might need more to than five or ten because options are a little bit pricey with this volatility right now. What is the minimum? What is the minimum I got to give you to create an account for you to help me just do uh, become a commodity trader? No price requirement just to be, to be able to buy the options. I mean, there's no kind of, if you're a trade only spec account, you don't have to put X amount of dollars in. It's just whatever options you want to look at buying or futures. Got it. I'm probably not going to do it because if I had to sit and look at the green, green charts all day, it'd give me a headache, but uh, I appreciate that. What did we not cover that we need to cover about this? We're heading into harvest. There's a lot of, um, I mean, every year there's something. It could be weather. It could be global volatility. It could be China's going to do this or Russia's going to do that. This year it's Ukraine and Russia, not discounting the the tragedy of the war, but the point is, this has been happening every year. There's always something. So there's always a little bit of volatility. And it's not the first time that we've wondered about our yield numbers being off. Just a few years ago, they said it was going to be 178. And we hit 172. And then we've seen it where it was the other way around. Is this that different of a fall or late summer than any other? I would say the end of this year has kind of been similar to the last two in that nature where we're dealing with very tight balance sheets and coming into the fall expecting South America to grow a huge crop. You know, mm -hmm. that's kind of been the theme the last two years. And whether, you know, I think it was beans the first year and corn this past year that the weather has been really difficult down there. Mm -hmm. And just how you said, you know, like the weather around the world has been volatile. So, you know, I think that's why you're seeing a lot of these this outside money stepping away from commodities right now because we're expecting this massive South America crop to come online and China to go there for their purchases. But if they don't grow it, they kind of have to come here. Yeah. So, Bryce, is there is this year really any big different than any other year? It doesn't seem – other than the, the prices are good – uh, even at 610, uh, that's still a good number compared to where we have been in different times throughout history. Um, or at 13, what is it, 1360 on soybeans? Is that a number? Yeah, I think a little bit. 1380-something we closed at today. So the numbers are still pretty good. Um, there's always some level of – if there wasn't some level of global uh, instability and volatility and weather issue, they'd have nothing to talk about on the ag market shows. So, I mean, we got to have a certain amount of this. Is it all that different this year, Bryce, than any other? I'm saying no. I mean, I think it's a little bit different where guys are kicking themselves more because they were looking at 750 corn versus 610 now. I feel like that they just feel that big drop versus, I mean, they're still upset at themselves, but they still can look at their profitability and have a nice profit here at $6. I mean, yeah. Yeah, they might they might have missed a, a whole whole bunch of very very big bumper type uh, profits that uh, they left on the table, and then uh, the main thing that you said is there's still some downside risk. There's still some downside risk, and that's based on this USDA number and based on how we actually end up. And you've given me a number where we're from five dollars and fifty cents, just using corn as an example, to seven dollars. And I'm sure that we can make the same case for wheat and soybeans. More so for soybeans, wheat a lot of it's already been harvested uh, here in North America, at least. So you can make the same case that there's a couple bucks of spread in, in where it could be down or where it could be up. Right. 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And just like you said, beans can be even wider. I mean, we could trade $12 beans or we could trade eight, $18 beans with how tight this balance sheet is. And if we have a yield scare or something like that, I mean, things could get pretty wild for beans. Yeah, it doesn't seem like we've spent a lot of time on corn, but uh, from a strategy standpoint, there's a whole bunch of stuff uh, that's not in the stockpile. Like the, the report I'm reading here, and we talked about it, and we we both, uh, I told you, I, I checked out what the Purdue uh, webinar had to say about this. We're sitting around like 7 to 9% of stocks to use or something like that. Our stockpile, our, our inventory is scarce. So that's going to cause a lot of movement on the soybean uh, numbers, right? Yep. And that's kind of what we saw. I mean, we saw them raise yield from what, 51.4 to 51.9. Um, with that and the, the kind of weather forecast flipped where some areas got some key range, but now we've been down back to back days big. Yeah. I mean, it's. So the point is none, none of us are feeling. So if I needed protection on anything, I might be, I might be willing to fly less protected on my corn and want more protection on my soybeans because of the upside. Am I thinking correctly? Or am I thinking like a dodo? Sean, you answer that because you never make me sound <laughs> stupid. Uh, that would be, in my opinion, that would be the right way to look at it because, you know, if you just go look at back at the last USDA report, that was definitely a more friendly report for corn and a not so friendly report for beans. So your recommendation would be get more protection on soybeans and less on corn if you're going to opt for one or the other. Correct. And Either the way. risk is the risk on the downside. Am I protecting myself because I think we're going to go to 12 or am I protecting myself selling right now at 1360? I think I saw what you said, 1380, but that's, that's new or old price. That's for new. And then that that's where I can come in and argue that the crop insurance spring price is also set at 1410. So we're kind of below that spring price right now. So it's, you have to know where your insurance lies too. Yeah. So, but, but I couldn't, should I just stick with that my expectation or could I figure out a way to say, no, you know what? I think 14, I think 1410 or 1380, I think there's up, I think there's, it goes to 16. I want to, I want to participate in 16, but I also don't want to miss out on 14 because at 14, I still make money. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, very easily. I think you could buy a sixteen dollar call right now for like ten cents, ten, ten to eleven cents. So I mean, you could very easily sell your cash Medicaid. I want upside from sixteen plus. You can spend ten to fifteen cents and get some upside. I think I like that option. I sell fourteen dollars soybeans. I give you ten cents, and I get the opportunity to to really price them at sixteen bucks. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, you get upside from 16 up where that's on the November contract, where if I were wanting to do it with the, these USDA numbers, I'd probably want to go go out in March and spend a little bit more money to get that time value. Because as we know, the USDA historically doesn't like to drop that yield all at once or very quick. So having the time value might be in your favor. We just did my har my harvest marketing strategy, and as we titled this episode, it's never too early to start or uh, why you should start your harvest marketing strategy. Bryce, anything on the way out the door? No, I think what we talked about was good, and just like what we've talked about, no, I mean, some people might not even know where they sit right now as far as percent sold because they don't know what yield is. I mean, take a minute to kind of gather yourself before you get into the field for harvest just so you kind of know where you're, where you're at ahead of that so you can plan accordingly. 
Well, once they see the yield monitor, they're going to their percentage sold is going to change up or down. But that you're saying that we should have a pretty good idea. I mean, we think we're 50 percent sold, and then we get in there and say, "Man, this stuff's running way better than I thought." It looks like I'm only 38 percent sold. Then do you start getting on a horn with Silvis Financial and saying, "Hey, I got to move some more stuff because I'm not even close to half sold." It looks like I'm closer to a third. Is that what we're talking yep. about? Yep, exactly. Cool. All right. His name is Bryce Goose. Uh, the other guy is Sean Finley. I'm Damian Mason. They are with Silvis Financial. If you want to learn more about how to integrate your crop insurance needs with your crop marketing needs with the ability and the expertise to navigate the government programs, tying all three of those revenue sources and protections together, talk to Silvis Financial. That's what they do. That is their expertise. And where do they find them? Where do they find you guys? Um, we're at sylviasfinancial.com, and we're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, all the social medias. And more importantly, you're at Extreme Ag, because every month we get, get, get together and do this right here. I, 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 I take the arrows. I, I accept the abuse from Bryce every month so that I can make you smarter while I learn on your behalf. Anyway, till next time, thanks for being here. Share these with all the people you know that can benefit from them because you know what? You're silly to go out there unprotected. There's a, there's a lot of capital at stake and you want to make sure you're doing the right thing to maximize your profits and more importantly, protect your assets. Till next time, I'm Damian Mason. That's a wrap for this edition of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, brought to you by Silvius Financial. Silvius advisors show business-minded farmers how to integrate government programs with crop insurance, as well as crop and cattle marketing to achieve positive financial outcomes. Learn more at silviusfinancial.com.